This week on the Levi Action Show, we're going to be talking about the election results. We're going to be talking about COVID, and we're going to be talking about the two messages for unity from Joe Biden and the radical left. Welcome to the Levi Erickson Show. We have a lot to get to today, but first let's take a look at the all the election updates and then we can talk about everything that's happened since then. Not a lot's happened since then, to be honest with you. The entire news has been overwhelmed with all this election material. First off, the projected winner of the election is Joe Biden, and I think it is fair to project him as the winner, but he is not the president-elect yet for that to happen. Uh, the Electoral College voters will actually have to be nominated. The states will first. The states have to even certify their election votes. Not a single state yet, as of Saturday, has certified their election results. They're going to have to nominate electoral voters to go to D.C. and cast their vote. And then we will indeed have a presidential a president-elect. However, before all that happens, there's a long legal process of things that need to come first. First of all, Donald Trump needs to settle a lot of lawsuits where he's trying to overturn the results of the elections in places like Pennsylvania, Arizona, Michigan, and Georgia, where he has alleged voter fraud. Um, it's a pretty tall burden of him to say that he can overturn those elections, considering that almost all of them, with the exception of Michigan are, and, and possibly Georgia, are he lost by tens of thousands of votes. In Michigan, he actually lost by hundreds of thousands of votes. So there would have to be massive amounts of voter fraud for that to take place. And I'm a little skeptical for one. I mean, in Arizona alone, the, the Secretary of State is as a Republican who's very conservative, who's really working alongside all this election results. So Arizona alone, uh, it doesn't look like there's enough voter fraud to flip the election, but I don't see that really anywhere. Pennsylvania is where we're seeing some of the most questionable uh, material coming out of, of there, especially in places like Philadelphia. But these these uh, these questions are, are going to have to be answered for the primary reason that if they're not if these questions aren't posed and answered in an adequate manner, the elections are never going to be trusted again, especially in a tight election where a, a candidate wins by a handful of a handful of votes. The right or the left are, are not going to buy that election uh, results in any shape or form. And what's interesting is the left right now is accusing the right that they're being conspiracy theorists, you know, they're, they're, they're undermining our democracy. They have a lot to say in terms of Republicans questioning the results of an election, which is interesting because if you remember 2016, uh, Democrats still to this day think that Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election. And in 20, uh, 2018, where Stacey Abrams is still being called the, uh, the governor of Georgia, where she lost by tens and thousands of votes just the same. But no, no. When the Democrats have an accusation of voter fraud, no, that's very, very legitimate. But when the Republicans do it, when anyone on the right questions any of the results of an election, no, that, that's conspiratorial nonsense. And it would, it would be conspiratorial nonsense if there was absolutely no evidence for it, like in the Georgia case I just talked about. But there's actually lots of evidence of voter fraud. I mean, there's no real shocker there, is there? I mean, we have an election with hundreds of millions of people voting in this election, and you're expecting there to be absolutely no voter fraud? That seems like a conspiracy theory in itself. So obviously there's voter fraud. The real question is, isn't, is there voter fraud? The real question is, is it going to change anything? Is the election results going to be flipped in any of these states? That is a lot less likely to happen. Now, 
What's also interesting to mention is that there's been peaceful protests all peaceful protests all across the country from Trump supporters saying, tr- demanding that there be legal uh, repercussions to all this, that they that they are their accusations are heard at least met in court. And what's funny about all this too is that they are actually peaceful for once. You know, unlike the the many of the BLM riots that took place, is these are actually peaceful protests, not rioting and looting. Um, before I get into any more news, I wanted to t- briefly discuss a lot of the feedback from our viewers on our last show, which was amazing. I really, really appreciate uh, all the feedback you guys gave me. You guys gave me different tips and different things to work on. I really took those to heart. One of the things that I really messed up on was I wasn't being fair to some of the some of the characterizations I was making for people's arguments. And the last thing I want to do is misrepresent anyone's beliefs. And so the first thing I want to do um, for the rest of the news segment is to talk about one of the things that I really didn't do well on was talking about why people didn't like Trump. But the reason I, the part of the reason I messed that up is because I was trying to address a different question and not the other one, which, which these two questions are, are similar but not the same. The first question is, why don't people like Trump? And the second question is, why he lost, why he lost the election? Those are different questions, just a little bit different questions. Because if I, if I just point to what made Donald Trump lose the election, I would point to two primary things, which I mentioned in last week's episode. I mentioned the media and I mentioned COVID. However, that's not all the reason that people don't like him. And I want to make sure that those things are separated. Because I understand the main reason people don't like Donald Trump is because they view him as a hateful, uh, toxic character who says anything and everything and no one really trusts his word and he just all around is not a very uh, appealing character to say the least. Maybe people don't have really any um, disagreements with much of his policy but they really, really, really hate the guy for who he is and what he says and his Twitter and all of that and I understand that. I really do. But I don't think that's the primary reason that he lost the election considering the fact that I don't think really anyone changed their mind in terms of Trump's character from 2016 till now. So I don't think that's what made the big shift in this election. I think the biggest thing that made the shift in this election is COVID and media's uh, descriptions of COVID and Trump's actions towards COVID. And I think that's the, the thing that the most focus needs to be put on right now is this idea that not that voter fraud rigged this election, not that voter fraud has changed the results of this election anyway, but I truly believe that the media is responsible for rigging the election, not in in a legal way whatsoever. They're just doing their jobs as creating a narrative. But that's not supposed to be the the media's job. I mean, they've made it their job to be basically this narrative, the creation of the Democratic Party where whatever candidate that the Democratic Party throws at them, they're going to paint them into this glorious politician. Same thing they just did with Joe Biden. And then everything the Republicans throw out, they're going to paint those as demonic and evil oppressors, right? And it's not to say that the, the act, some of the accusations they lovely against Trump aren't fair. It's that every single thing that Trump does wrong, the media will blow it up. And then everything that Trump does right, the media m- minimizes. And the exact opposite can be said for people like Joe Biden, where everything he does that is considered good in the eyes of the media, they're going to make it into the greatest act of any politician known to mankind and then if joe biden gaffes on tv or has a policy that turns out not to be very popular or or he's he's almost bipolar on his political stances then the media is going to cover for him and and explain away all of the concerns you might have and that's a really big problem because 
for the average viewer, they're not going to spend their time going through different sites and different different news networks and watch the same news coverage on the same thing from two different outlets. They're just going to watch one. So if all you watch is CNN, MSNBC, or even Fox News at this point, you're only going to get one side of the message. And if if you just watch, if you're on the right and you have this issue with just watching Blaze TV, the da- reading the Daily Wire, and those are all fine and dandy, but you can't read them isolated. Otherwise, you're only going to get one side of the narrative. You have to hear both sides of the narrative so that you can find the core facts and actually make the decision for yourself. So going on COVID, the reason I think that COVID was such a disaster for Trump is because it is a black swan event that ruined all of his economic reputations. One of the many reasons people liked Trump, despite his character flaws, was the economy. They looked at Trump and they're like, okay, I don't like that guy, but I really like these numbers I'm seeing in the stock market, in my 401k. I'm really liking this stuff. I, I'm The unemployment rates are all-time lows. It's fantastic. I'm loving that. But then when this black, wand, this black swan character comes around in COVID-19 and just wipes out all of the economic progress that we've made, that's a big issue for Trump because then he has nothing to stand upon and say, look at this economy I made because it's non-existent at that point. However, I think that's a little misplaced in a lot of people when they say that Trump botched COVID. And here's why. First of all, I don't think Trump's an expert at all in basically anything. I don't consider him an expert. And I am one to believe that you are to listen to the experts for what it's worth. Like I, I listen, when I'm trying to answer questions about What's COVID-19? What is it exactly? What does it do? What are the repercussions? What should we do to avoid as many COVID-19 deaths as possible? I'm going to listen to people like Anthony Fauci, which I know is unpopular on the right now, but he is an expert. There's other experts too that disagree with Fauci on the exact same subject, but his word is at least warranted in some consideration. Now, you could, but there is an issue with just listening to the experts because there's multiple categories of experts. There's epidemiologists, there's there's public health officials, there's economists, there's many different variables that need to be taken into consideration when making policy. See, Trump isn't an expert. He's a policymaker, kind of. He basically works with people who make policy and he promotes them and he's this, this cultural icon who, who can rally the right like no one else has ever been able to do in a long time. But one of the things that... He's not is a medical expert. He's not an economist. He's, he's none of these things. So a policymaker needs to listen to each of these experts and make one policy that addresses all of them. For example, if you were just making a policy that was simply designed to prevent as many COVID-19 deaths as possible, you would definitely listen to Anthony Fauci. And he would just say, lock down everything, do whatever you can to suppress the trans, uh, transferableness of this disease and therefore bringing down the amount of the death rates, right? That's his one goal as a, as a medical expert, right? He's, his one goal is to prevent as many uh, COVID-19 deaths as possible. From an economist's perspective, his, he's not really as concerned with death from a professional perspective. He's much more concerned with the economy, and he's going to look at what kind of practices you can take to promote your economy's wealth or, and, and, and make it so that more and more people can share in this economy. Maybe that's, that's his main priority. And then there's another public health official, which maybe their, their number one professional concern is to consider the well-being of the people and, and their psychological state. And they know in order to do that, they have to intermingle. They have to communicate. They have to have these different conversations, right? So you have your medical experts who are trying to suppress the amount of COVID-19 deaths, you have your economists who are trying to suppress the amount of hurt to the economy, you have 
these health officials, other health officials who are more concerned with your inter- uh, mental health between American citizens. And all of these things have to be taken into consideration when you're making a policy. And you also have to take into consideration what your actual job is. So President Trump, he can't just go in there and demand everyone makes wears a mask. He can't just go around the country and mandate that everyone stays locked in their homes. None of these things are constitutionally available to him. So what can the president do? Well, the main thing he can do is he can make sure that every state has the supplies and equipment they need to handle the cases, the caseload, and to work to get experts in the in the White House on his task force team that will be able to offer advice to American citizens. And his last goal is to offer a long-term solution. And I think Donald Trump checked all three of those boxes. He found his long-term solution, which he's been with Operation Warp Speed, which is bringing a vaccine faster than anywhere in history. He has provided a coronavirus task force team, and he hasn't silenced anyone. He, Anthony Fauci has been on every media network in the entire country at this point, and he's been able to clearly relate his advice to the American people. And lastly... He was able to give everyone the ventilators they needed. At the very beginning of this, the ventilators was the big thing. We need ventilators. We need ventilators. And then what did the federal government do? What did the Trump administration do? They provided ventilators up the wazoo. And now every Democratic governor across the country has admitted at this point that Donald Trump has provided them the ventilators and the equipment that he needed. And in places like New York City where they look like their hospitals are going to be overrun, where did Donald Trump do? He sent in a Navy ship with medical supplies and medical staffing and turn it into a a makeshift hospital. So at a certain point, you have to ask, what else did you expect the guy to do? And the real answer is, is they expected him not to say such stupid stuff, right? I mean, that's the biggest accusation against Trump with COVID is he said stuff that was stupid, frankly. Now, some of the things that he said were kind of blown out of proportion by the media. They're talking about him saying things such as, oh, well, he's telling you to inject uh, bleach into your veins. He did not say that. It's never been said by Donald Trump. There was a theory, however, there's, that's not to say he hasn't said any stupid stuff. For example, he was pitching this this random idea of injecting uh, uh, UV lights into a patient to, to kill the virus from within. And that was a very uh, iffy procedure, to say the least. Um, and Donald Trump has also downplayed it throughout constantly. However, at a certain point, you have to give people American people some credibility here and say, don't trust the guy. I mean, he's the president of the United States, sure, but he's not an expert in anything. We all know this. We all we saw The Apprentice. We know he's just Donald Trump. This at best, he's a real estate expert, and at worst, he's an expert in nothing. But who's taking his medical advice? And and all these accusations of different people dying from taking Trump's advice. It's it's absurd. That's people. The the guy who drank who drank his fish cleaner and blamed it on Trump. His wife blamed it on Trumpers. It's, it's, it's ridiculous at this point. You have to give people – you can critique Trump, sure. You can critique his language all you want. But the one thing that's more important than language to me is what you actually do, your actions. And I think Trump succeeded there. Going on, there's there's a lot of other issues with COVID too, of, of course. There's this COVID hypocrisy that I call where essentially the media love to bash Trump supporters for going to a Trump rally during a, a COVID outbreak. They, they are bashing people for going to church. They're, they're, they're targeting Jewish orthodoxies in New York City where every time they get out and have a, a community event, they're, they're bashed in the media. But then whenever uh, Biden wins and he has a uh, election 
party. No, that's that's totally cool. They had marches in the street. No, that's that's totally fine now because uh, it's it's for the right cause. And apparently this virus is what I like to call the vote, the woke virus, which basically just only attacks people if you disagree with them on policy. So that's really nice to know. Um, if, so if you wanted to figure out if you were right leaning or left leaning, I would definitely go left leaning right now because COVID-19 won't kill you that way. Um, and then the same thing happened when if you went to a Trump rally or if you went to a BLM protest. That No, that was totally cool if you went to a BLM protest because, again, the virus is very, very woke. Um, in other news, the legalization of drugs has gone all over the country. Mostly, Most of the country at this point has now legalized weed for either recreational use or uh, medicine purposes. But there's also been legalization of harder drugs, uh, such as in Oregon, where they didn't legalize it, but they brought down a lot of the punishments and penalties for using those drugs. So th- that's really interesting. And this has been really controversial. I've had debates with many friends about this of this issue of, of legalizing some of these harder drugs. Personally, I come at from a really libertarian standpoint where I really don't care what you do with your own body. Like I think personally you can do whatever you want with your body as long as it doesn't affect me. I'm no drug expert, but unless the drug that you're proposing legalizing results in higher levels of violence, I have no issue with it. So I think that's that's good news. I think the less people in 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 jail for what would we call victimless crimes is a really good thing. Um, but as I said, that's that's still controversial, and I think that that still needs to be managed on a, a city level. And it'll be interesting to see if Oregon turns out well, if it continues down its path to exploding at this point um one of the one of the things i I touched on a little bit last week but i wanted to go in more this week is what a biden presidency is going to look like this is one of the topics that was requested for me to go over and the part of the reason i didn't go into a ton last week is because it really wasn't clear what biden was going to do in his presidency i mean he's as i said last week he's been bipolar on every policy you could possibly imagine with the exception of maybe guns but other than that he's flip-flopped on everything so it's, it's almost impossible to say what he's going to do until he's done it. However, I can talk about a few of the things he's promised to do in his first 100 days. So he's, he, here's a whole list here. So he's, he's already gotten his, his COVID task force together, which whew, I was really worried about COVID, but now we got a task force, guys. We're good. Uh, the second thing he's going to do is he's going to make uh, DACA Dreamers. He's going to um, make it so DACA Dreamers are people that were brought over here uh, when they were kids um, by illegal immigrants, and so they, they have been able to stay here under – the Obama administration DACA reform, which was passed um, illegally, uh, unconstitutionally, through executive order. Now, I'm personally not against DACA as, as a uh, legal precedent. I, I, I actually like the idea. I hope it becomes law, and I hope that DACA uh, people are able to get a pathway to citizenship. I really, really hope so. However, you have to do things legally in this country. You can't just executive order everything you want done in this country. So it's it's really ridiculous to me that Obama is able to pass that with an executive order and never have anyone question that at all. But Biden has promised to protect DACA dreamers, which is, in my opinion, a good thing as long as you go to the right legal routes. Um, he's, he's going to reverse this so-called Muslim ban, which is in reality, not a Muslim ban at all. It's just what the media like to narrate everything. But in 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 truth, the the so-called Muslim ban was just a ban from uh, uh, countries where they had really no legitimate forms of government, so it was impossible to track who was coming in and from those countries. And um, whether or not you agree with that policy or not, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. The another thing that that Biden is going to do is he's going to end his 
family separation policy, which is interesting because it's the same policy that he enacted and built the cages for, for these kids that, uh, when they go to the border. But what's actually really scary about this family, uh, family separation policy to me is the number one reason I want stricter immigration at the border is to protect people from human and sex trafficking. And one of the ways that they were doing that was actually as, as hor hor horrible as it is, they couldn't practically keep all of the adults and children together in one area because that's it's too hard to keep the kids safe. They have all these people that no idea who they are coming into the country. They put them in for, for uh, and, and they put them in cages, which, which isn't a good look, but it's the best practical situation that they really had. But they had many of these these families coming in and they separated them from their from their parents which is awful when that happens but practically speaking they really had no other way of making sure that the the parents were with the right children or if the parents were weren't parents at all and it was this is one of the practical steps taken so i think that biden when he when he re reverses this 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 uh uh this policy is going to result in some scary issues with children and, and, uh, and adults in these, in these facilities. Uh, the other thing he's going to do is rejoin the Paris Climate Accords, which practically does nothing because unless you have legislation behind it, uh, there's really no practical steps the United States takes other than just goes, yep, we'll do that, Paris and the rest of the world. Um, the, and the last thing that he said he wants to do is he's going to reverse Trump's withdrawal from the World Health Organization, which... I mean, that doesn't really do anything either. I mean, none of these policies are really big at all. I mean, it's kind of funny to, to see because this is kind of the exact policy I was expecting from Joe Biden is a bunch of just reversing everything Trump did. And then uh, we'll go from there because if he doesn't get the Senate, he won't be able to do half this stuff anyway. So in all honesty, we don't know what's going to go on with, with Biden's presidency, but we can go one step at a time and we'll keep you posted with that. The last thing I wanted to talk to do to you today was this this unity message we heard from Joe Biden in the speech. And I think it was a really good message. I really do. And I really, really hope, and I'm going to be optimistic, that Joe Biden meant every word of his speech. However, I am suspicious of everyone in his party agreeing with this message. Because Joe Biden was basically saying, hey, let's all get along, guys. We This is a time for healing. This is a time for bringing the country back together. We've had a lot of divisive periods under, under President Trump. Under me, it's all going to go away. And I really hope he's right because I think that's one of the, the saddest things that's going on in our country right now is how divisive everything is. However, I'm skeptical of this actually being able to go anywhere because people like Michelle Obama, who pretended not to be political for the, for the eight years of her, her husband's uh, presidency, but has since become the most political person ever. And that doesn't really shock me because before he, uh, her husband became president, she was super political. So Michelle Obama came out with his tweet. Let me pull it up here for you. And basically, it undercuts pretty much everything that um, that Joe Biden was trying to get across in his speech. Joe Biden was trying to preach about unity, getting together. Uh, if, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. You're all Americans to me. Loved the message. Great message. But then Michelle Obama bashes conservatives by saying this in a, a long Twitter thread. Let's remember that tens of millions of people voted for the status quo even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. We've got a lot of work to do to reach out to these folks in the years in the years ahead and connect them on what unites us. Now, this, this is a unity message, but it's not the same as Biden's unity message. This Michelle Obama unity message 
is not about accepting people for who they are. No, it's saying that, okay, right now we're, we're, we're dealing with tens of millions of Americans who are filled with supporting hate and lies and chaos and division, right? So we got to reach out to them and change them because it's not that we just disagree on policy. It's that they are hateful, that they are, that they are divisive, that they are supporting lies and all this chaos. And we need to reach out to them and change their views, which isn't really unity. That's just turn. That's just political manipulation. That's just trying to get people to come to your side because if they're not on your side, then they're hateful, then they're liars and they're chaos machines. And I, that's, that's the real point I want to hammer home is there's two messages being brought forward with unity. There's the Biden message. And then there's, I will call the Michelle Obama or the radical left Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's vision for unity, which isn't unity at all. It's force them to accept the standards you've made and go from there. So if you actually want to achieve true unity, and I'll leave off with this, if you want to achieve true unity in this country, there has to be a different level of tolerance brought to everyone's forefront of their minds, okay? We are in a country with hundreds of millions of people, and everyone has different lives, different cultures, and different views on everything. We're not all going to agree on anything, and therefore our government is never going to be exactly how each of us want it to be. And there's always going to be divisive and there's always going to be there's always going to be fight there. However, it needs to be a, a shifted fight, right? You can you can have a political disagreement with somebody, but not assuming that your neighbor is is your enemy. You can you can see the the guy next door to you has a, a Trump flag and the guy on the left side of you has a has a Biden flag. And despite who they support for president, you guys can still get together and have a barbecue. You guys can still watch a ball game together because politics shouldn't be at the forefront of everyone's mind. Politics should really, really be a way, way, way back down on the on the priority list. Recently, it's been brought up to God level in terms of how important people view it. But politics needs to be brought down a lot. So the biggest message for unity, if you really truly want to live with people, is you need to have tolerance. And I don't mean the type of tolerance the left talks about, the radical left talks about. I mean true tolerance. I mean for the right, this means when when the LGBTQ community says they want to get married to whoever they want and they want to they want to uh, engage in whatever practices they want to in the bedroom, that's them. That's let it go. Despite the fact that it might go against your religious views, which I understand as a Christian, I understand. You can still put those aside. You can still say, you know what? They're going to live their life. I'm going to live mine. That's okay. For the left, that means you're going to hear things said by everyone that's not, it's going to be diagnosed by you as hate speech. That's hateful. That's villainous. That's, that's corruptive. That's evil. And you need to be able to hear that speech. And instead, instead of going, shut up, you have no right to speak here. You need to be fined. You need the go- I need the government to come in and tell you to stop. I need you to be censored. I need you to be canceled. Instead of that, you need to accept that people are going to say things you're going to disagree with. And the, the best way to go about your life is to either ignore it or address it with a better argument. If you hear someone spewing something hateful, prove that they're wrong or ignore them. Because honestly, if you just don't give a pe- people any attention or any platform on most of these things, it's, it's way better than anything we've had before. That is all I have for you this week. Please tune in next week where we will have more news and more things to discuss. Um, Please tune in this week for our first episode of Why Christ. And next week we will be having our first episode of the Debunked series. So please tune in for that. I'm Levi Erickson and this is the Levi Erickson Show.
If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. Also, please check out our other Leviticus Studios productions, including the Debunk series, Bias Free News, and Why Christ. The Levi Erickson Show is produced by Wyatt Winfield and Peyton Hovilla. Music by River Erickson and Andrew Montgomery. Thank you.